What's up, NBA fans? We are a couple weeks away from All-Star break, the official announcing of All-Star break, and some of the votes are already in. We got no surprises there and a couple surprises to, to see listed, but this week we're breaking down the Celtics struggling out there right now, losing 11 of their only winning losing 11 of their last 17 Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin on the trading block Draymond Green sharing his thoughts and of course we got the hot team sinking teams and best performances of the week breaking all that down for you here but first we got to give a shout out to the boy Devin Booker player of the week in the Western Conference and Sean an interesting player that you managed to get on the fa- on the f- in the fantasy league and I saw you pick this man up and I was like who in God's name is this man and then <laughs> and just a day later I read that he's got Eastern Conference player of the week and that's our boy or John your boy I should say hey. Sadiq Bay Sadiq Bay what a name and I am excited to have him on my fantasy team I and mean, obviously he is a rookie and you know they have pretty variable performances so i don't really know what to expect from him from the fantasy production part of it but to me i mean we can give the kid credit sure i mean 17.8 points a game five and a half rebounds almost 70 percent from three during the week last week where the pistons went three and one the the <laughs> last place eastern conference detroit pistons who everyone wrote off and all of a sudden, they found success, and Sadiq Bey was a big part of that. But this this really just keeps on reiterating this point that the Player of the Week is a useless <laughs> award that means nothing. <laughs> it is not the Player of the Week. Is this the best player in the Eastern Conference? Is that what you're telling me? Like what? Oh, I see what you're what saying. What does this mean? Like this is just like a participation trophy. I mean, we had the same conversation a year ago. You remember when Carmelo Anthony won Player of the Week for getting, like, I don't know, a couple good games where he didn't look like garbage? Like, is that, that's, like, all that amounted to. Like, good job, Carmelo. You're an NBA player sometimes. That is that is exactly what that was then, and this is what it's saying now. It's like, yeah, Sadiq Bey, is he better than Giannis? Is he better than Jimmy Butler? Like... This is just such a stupid award. I mean, good for him. I mean, maybe he gets some nice, sweet contract incentive from this. He shouldn't because he wasn't the best player of the week. But whatever. There you go. Sadiq Bey. (laughs) It is is interesting when you put it in that context. Like, yeah, I mean, Julius Randle had some pretty uh, badass games last week. So (laughs) I'm sure Randle will get it this week. I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm sure he'd get it this week. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Sabonis, Giannis put together, Jimmy Butler put together some really good performances last. But I mean, a guy like Sadiq Bey doesn't get recognition every now. All the, I mean, yeah, for Devin Booker, I'm sure it's kind of like, well, that makes cool, sense. But sure. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Sadiq hey. Bey, though, I, I'm pretty sure like he's going to put this, you know, on his bookcase and it's going to oh, be yeah. there for, for the next 40 years. Oh, this is great. And so at this rate, Who's going to be Eastern Conference Player of the Week next week? My my money's on Davis Pertons at this rate. <laughs> let's, let's give it to the man. He had one good game. This is great. <laughs> he did light it up today, but my money's. I mean, I guess if we're truly betting, I'd put it on Randall. Who you know we're going to talk about later on in this podcast. But the man totally killed it. Uh, but you know, to to swing things into 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 gear here. Our first point here, we got to talk about the Boston Celtics mm. straight struggling right now, just hitting 
officially a 500 team as of today after losing to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Trey Young lighting them up, going 14 for 20. Clint Capella going 10 for 13. The Boston Celtics, like I mentioned earlier, have now lost 11 of their last 17. A team that's still holding on to that $28.5 million trade exception they got from Gordon Hayward. And, uh, and the stars, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, struggling a little bit. And, you know, they got Marcus Smart, who's, who's injured. Uh, and they're rotating through centers and Tristan Thompson, Daniel Thice, and Robert Williams here and there, but they just can't make it work. And a team that we, we thought would, was going to again be contending for an Eastern Conference final spot. Now it looks just because of the, the luck of the draw that this happens to be one of the weakest Eastern Conference ever it seems <laughs> they are still holding on to i believe the fifth seed right now despite their 500 record um but brad stevens is i think it's time to look into the magic into the magic bag and also danny ainge and try to figure out a team and we're sure they're going to be players but in the meantime is there any silver lining for the boston celtics sean in your eyes right now i mean on paper they really shouldn't be struggling this much i mean this is a t- like you're going up against a Hawks team that's very inexperienced is, is missing one of their key pieces in DeAndre Hunter and you they just come in and they they honestly destroyed them tonight like they they were leading the entire game almost the second half I don't think the Celtics got very close they, I think they got within 3 sometimes but like Tatum looked okay Jalen Brown did not look good and then I, I is Marcus Smart really that important to this team I think it is the, <laughs> I the can't big think thing. so like I don't think it, so. It seems but it's, like it at this point. It looks point. like it. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, this is a 500 team without Marcus Smart. Worse than that, even if you're going just by games that he hasn't played in. And at the same time, you look at it too on the other side. It's like Clint Capella going 10 for 13. We've been talking about this with the Boston Celtics. They need a big man desperately. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a guy we're going to talk about pretty soon by the name of Andre Drummond that I've been begging the Celtics to trade for. I understand the whole like yeah like okay I, my my whole thing with him is that the trade exception makes it so that you can get him on your team but do you want to pay DeAndre Drummond the rest of his twenty eight million dollar salary probably not <laughs> but man if you think you have a chance this year and Andre Drummond can just be that extra piece because Tice isn't doing anything for you Tristan Thompson isn't doing anything for you these guys can't hold a candle to any meaningful big man in the league and this this is a, a conference where you have to go up against good big guys like Sabonis on the Pacers gotta go up against Embiid obviously on the Sixers and Siakam I guess you could consider a big man um Giannis even <laughs> you, like yeah. who's gonna match up against Giannis so Ah man, yeah. they they just need someone down low to protect the paint. They have nobody right now. Tice seems to have taken a step back from last year. Like he showed promise last year. He is about as be mediocre as they come. Mike Muscala levels. <laughs> yeah, and we, we got to shine a flashlight to see if we can still find Robert Williams as the <laughs> as the hype behind this man dead. Oh, I think we've already totally talked about dead. it. But... All he's good for st- is standing there while Tatum draws double teams, and sometimes he gets a dunk. Like that's all I got from the game today. At least it's like, what what are they doing? Like this is like Brad Stevens is a guy who we touted as next Greg Popovich too, and mm-hmm. I think Greg Popovich could do more with his team right now for sure, especially with a talent like Tatum and a talent like Brown. You have Kemba Walker there. Obviously, he's still recovering from injury because he's not playing up to the level we're used to seeing from him. Yeah, this is this is very 
dangerous. And, and we didn't even put them in the sinking teams because, I mean, they win one, they lose one, win, lose two, win one. But I think they're as sinking as any team that in the league right now because of the expectations that we put on them more than anything. Exactly. And this is why they're at the top here is because it, this has just been an ongoing sort of thing that you're like noticing. You're like, oh, the Celtics, they won here. Oh, they won. They just lost two in a row again. What? Mm-hmm. What? What is going on? <laughs> you know, and you, and you saw it was understandable. Kemba Walker is out. Marcus Smart in and out of the lineup. They, they're having a hard time finding a consistent big man to play down low, but Kemba Walker is back now and he has just not looked well. Uh, it looks like he's just struggling to find find his find his lift. He's struggling to find himself in this offense, and they gotta just figure out a way. And yeah, we're talking about Brad Stevens being the next Greg Popovich or, or whatever. Like Greg Popovich <laughs> somehow finds these magic little rabbits in like Keldon Johnson and yep. I, I, God White. knows who <laughs> Derek White. These names off that Spurs roster that just produce, and the Celtics feel like they have talent, and we've seen this talent for the last couple of years now, but. It's just, it's just not, it's not there right now. And boy, this team looks like they could use a Terry Rozier coming off the bench or, <laughs> no, or an Al Harford. <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to a few different takes on what the Celtics should do with their trade exception today. And Andre Drummond never really came up. And I think the reason is because they don't want to pay him $28 million to yeah. like maybe still not even get them over the hump. And because you got to pay Jason Tatum next year, that's when his extension kicks in. But mm-hmm. man, I it, I think what they're going to end up doing is trying to get some middle middle ground type of contract where it's like an eleven twelve million dollar deal and try to try to upgrade it from that point. I don't know who's available at that level that would really move the needle for them, but they really do need to make a move before this deadline. This is this is very dangerous territory for them. The Knicks are almost going to pass it. them. I got a name for you. It's not, I don't think it's super surprising or unique for me, but it's been thrown around. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. That is a good name. I like that one. That that would actually that, be pretty big for them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, how does that, is, is that a good fit? Because I feel like Jason Tatum is more, he does play the three a little better maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a work. shooting big, but it doesn't quite fill in the defensive gap that they're missing, the yeah. deficiency and rebounding the deficiency and and just guarding at the rim. To me, Andre Drummond makes the most sense. This is literally yes. like the puzzle pieces were, were, <laughs> were purposely, consciously built for them to fit together. Yeah. Andre Drummond, 28.8 million. Trade exception, 28.5. <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, I mean, I mean, let's just transition over to this man. The players hitting the trade block, the choices that the Celtics have is... You know, obviously we got Andre Drummond, we got Blake, the Blake Griffin saga that just started. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple more names out there, possibly maybe I'll, maybe OKC does put Al Horford on, on the trade block, try to let go of that, that salary. Although I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume they're gonna be asking for, for some young pieces and, and some draft picks to continue to add to the <laughs> Same pot. Same as it ever was. <laughs> exactly. Aaron Gordon, I, I gotta think might also be on the trading block. You got Jonathan Isaac coming back next year. I think the Magic would rather, Roll with that guy. Uh, but Andre Drummond just is such an interesting guy. 28.8 million, of course, is a significant amount, but the dude is averaging 17 and 13. He doesn't look like he's taking a step back in terms of his health. He's still the same dude 
And this is crazy to me. I was looking this up, but this man has finished either first or second in rebounds per game since 2013. Like, man. when we talk about <laughs> best in the league, Andre Drummond is best in the league when it comes mm-hmm. to rebounding the ball. And I, I just don't understand why that there, it seems, it seems like there's just not a, a strong market for him. And that's the reason why he hasn't been moved in the same, or for some reason, maybe he's just, a, like a cancer in the locker room or something. And that's why the Cavaliers also chose to quickly get his replacement before <laughs> waiting for him to even be moved off the team. Yeah, it's just very odd. I, I can see it from the Cavs' perspective because you're getting a younger guy in Jared Allen that you hope can kind of put up the same type of numbers Andre Drummond puts up. Maybe not on the rebounding side, but he's younger and more athletic. But for Drummond, man, yeah, I, I don't really get it, except for from the standpoint of, like, obviously traditional big men aren't really, like, the guys in the league now, right? Like, mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert was able to get his extension, but that was mostly out of loyalty from Utah. Like, you see guys like get, like Clint Capella, Steven Adams get moved around because that, that's not really what people are looking for anymore. Like, they're looking for the more modern big men that can shoot the three and space the floor. Drummond, Drummond is not that, obviously, but I have to think that there's still good value there in having a traditional center like that, that you don't need to be that that floor spacer. Like, is Tristan Thompson a floor spacer? Is Daniel Tice a floor spacer? Like, I don't I don't really get it. Like, I, I it, yeah, I, I've said it once, I'll say it again, man. Like, Andre Drummond would help the Celtics get to an elite level, and... All they'd have to give up was probably like Robert or man, not Robert Williams. Cavs don't want to center back, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe like Carson Edwards and like a couple second round picks, you know, like you're not really giving up much. And then Marcus Smart can, will fill in whatever minutes you need to when he gets back. You know, so you won't really be missing Carson Edwards at the guard position. I don't know why like I'm trying to help the Celtics out so much. I don't really care about the Celtics, but it just makes so much sense. Uh, it would be yeah. good for for the com- competitiveness of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I agree. And if the market is really this weak for him, then you probably aren't going to cross, you know, w- well over the twenty million dollar mark to try to resign him. Maybe he would be good and good enough to just give him, you know, give him twenty million next year as opposed to trying to match up to twenty eight again. Oh yeah, I don't know. It just it just seems like the market may not it may not be as as scary as you think. In terms of like what the next year's commitment or re-signing a guy like this would would look like, another interesting team to think about is also Dallas. Hmm. Does Dallas have have enough to pack in and and make a deal for Drummond happen? I mean, Porzingis is just like looks like he's as fragile as glass out there sometimes <laughs> for a big man. Like not just not just from like a health perspective, but just also just you know holding down the fort for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, towards the bottom in the league in terms of defensive rating, they could use a guy like Andre Drummond to just take some hits and help rebound the ball and and keep uh, Mr. Fragile Porzingis out of the you know the physical zone. I've heard Toronto also mentioned as a potential moving spot for Andre Drummond. I mean, I don't think the Baines project worked out as well as they thought it would. <laughs> uh, Chris Boucher yeah. has been playing well, but for some reason they don't trust him to be that starting center yet. So Andre Drummond was thrown out there, but yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, I think Dallas was was honestly that seems like a pretty reasonable pick too. Outside of that, I don't yeah, I don't really know who else would want him. Um, 
or would be able to afford him too. It's like obviously like a team like Golden State would love to have him if James Wiseman can't play, but that's not going to happen since they're so deep in the luxury tax. Um, yeah, yeah. There's not going to be any Clay Thompson for Drummond swap, right? <laughs> there is one out of nowhere team that might be able to absorb this contract. That's the New York Knicks. Mm. Yeah, true. And they just lost Mitchell <laughs> Robinson. They did just Ooh, lose Mitchell Robinson. Okay. That might be a swap, but you know we'll see. They somehow I just didn't I didn't realize this, but they have like fourteen million dollars in cats. Yeah, plans, well they like, didn't sign anybody today. in the off season. Okay, free agents. That that just seems so. That just seems like a ridiculous amount of cap space just left it over is. in the middle of the year. Uh, oh but Blake Griffin, man, just to switch gears a yeah. little bit, thirty-six million dollars this year and a player option for thirty-eight million. Oh, oh, he's is taking this that. Man, really gonna get? Is he? Is, is he really gonna let himself get bought out? This is this is an insane amount of money to. to I would personally. I mean, unless unless he like just I, the guys have passion for playing, right? Like they want to play basketball, like. I mean, Luol Deng is the example of a guy that doesn't want to play basketball and just wants to get paid his money. <laughs> I I don't know if Blake Griffin's that. I mean, I know I think he knows he's at the twilight of his career, and he wants to play basketball while he can still at least contribute something on the floor. Um, and that's going to be in the next two years, and he's not going to do anything after that. He, he might even retire after this contract's over, which is sad to think that Blake Griffin's going to retire. I've always loved Blake Griffin, but... Like I don't know what the trade market could possibly be for this man. Possibly thirty six million. Yeah, like who, yeah, like you said, like the Knicks might be the only pl- like team that can even hope to afford him on that deal. Yeah. Man, it just makes them that Clippers move was so smart, man. Like holy crap, did they get the better of Detroit? They they gotta be kicking themselves over having Blake Griffin on the books for the next two years. Yeah, thirty six million is such a like. This is yeah. Tough. They should just play him. They're not going to get anything yeah. for him. Just play the man. Just yeah. I don't, I don't know. Oh, actually, no. Don't play him because then Sadiq Bay won't get as many minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy to think about Blake Griffin towards the twilight of his career. I mean, to, I'm sure you probably know this. Do you know how old he is? I know how old he is, but because um, I just looked it up, I'm gonna say he's thirty. 31 31 yeah that's not i mean in these days it's not it's i mean lebron just won his third title at 31 i mean that's not fair right but yeah this is a guy that's always relied on his athleticism his whole career though so many lobs so much driving slashing getting beat up in the paint that that's just gonna naturally wear you down way faster than a lot of other styles and you saw this year he's actually tried to change his game and he's been more of like the spot up shooter and not playing as much in the paint. I think there was some there's some people saying he hasn't even dunked the ball once this year. Which when you're Yikes. putting Blake Griffin in the same zone as no dunk, that that is just doesn't even make sense. So he's trying to preserve his body and stay out there, but yeah, I think I think the damage has already been done. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, in another life, I'm sure Blake Griffin would have loved to turn, start working his game towards that angle, you know, years ago to try to preserve some of that. Yeah, I mean, just two needs. years ago, though, he was still playing at an elite level, right? Like, he mm-hmm. single-handedly willed this team with some help from Andre Drummond into the, like, eight seed of the playoffs two years in a row. So, right. yeah, like, he was still playing great basketball. It's just these last two years have been just really brutal for him. 
Yeah, exactly. And a man standing up for Blake Griff, the Blake Griffins and the Andre Drummonds of the world is Draymond Green, you know, and I'm not always the biggest Draymond Green fan, but as of lately, he, you know, he came on TNT a couple months ago and he, he said some really intelligent, you know, agreeable things or I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And and this was one of those moments. Agreeable Draymond Green came out <laughs> at the at the presser and and gave you know some very passionate, expressive, uh, expressive rant. I don't know if I should call it rant, but <laughs> you know he just spoke his mind and he spoke it really well. I think uh, you know about the way players are being treated as from the media as opposed to organizations. You know when when decisions are made either by the organization or by the players when they decide, you know, they don't want to be somewhere or an organization doesn't want a player any longer and sort of the double standard there. Uh, and I mean, he's, he's got a strong point there. I think two of his strong quotes is at some point, the league has to protect players from embarrassment like that. And he's alluding to the point of uh, James Harden basically being dragged by fans and, you know, us included a little bit, I would say. And, mm-hmm. um, in the media, of course, and, uh, Rockets fans and even, you know, some of the Rocket players in the locker room I mean, when James Harden decided he didn't want to be there anymore. And well, the Rockets organization still, I'm not sure if it seemed like they were trying to, to, to hold on to him as long as they could, either to milk more trade value out of him or, or, you know, just to, just to see if they can maybe, um, heal the situation. But, and the second quote was like, at some point, the players must be respected in these situations. It's re- it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it. And obviously, he's alluding here closer to the Andre Drummond situation where the organization has proactively made the decision to sit him until they can find a viable trade partner. Uh, and, you know, it's a double standard compared to what James Harden did, where he himself didn't sit out, but he kind of just put his head in the turtle shell and, you know, was like I'm just going to float until I get traded, and 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 there's a double standard here, and I think Draymond Green has a strong point, but it's it it is tough, and I think it's always easier to it's always easier to to put the to kind of look bad on the player just because it's in the individual versus versus an organization that is a collection of people, usually decisions that are made collectively. So it's hard to harder for us, I think, to point to the bad guy in an organization setting versus an individual player. But I do think Draymond Green brings up a great point, and I think he he expressed it in a very productive way, I think. Mm. Yeah. At first I thought so, but then, like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, like, what is Andre Drummond's embarrassment here? Like, is it because no one wants him? Is that the embarrassment? I think, in my mind... The organization was playing Drummond at the beginning of the season. This is like different than Harden, obviously, because they wanted to see what they had out of him. Like, okay, he's a good player, but like we're not winning that many more games, and uh, we don't see a future with him. So we're gonna try to go get someone that we think we can bring in long term. They get Jared Allen. It's like, okay, now that we have Jared Allen, we don't need Andre Drummond. We want, and as a business, we want to see like what we can get for Drummond. But we can't if he gets hurt, then we can't get anything for him. So I don't really see the problem with that. Like we've seen that before. I I don't I don't really consider that like embarrassing for Drummond. It's more like, hey, we know you have value, and we don't want to lose that value. So we're just gonna sit you because we're not actually trying to win games. You know, it's like 
if anything, it's saying that, hey, we'd win games if we played you. So we're just going to sit you for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's the tough thing about Draymond Green's comments. It's like, what is the actionable items coming out of this? Well, I think I think I still think he has a, he has a a point, but you're right. Like, what is the league going to do to protect the players from quote unquote embarrassment? You know, the, the league can't tell ESPN or blog writers to not write about things in certain ways. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just the way it is. It's more of a cultural thing, which obviously is like a, a way more difficult rock to try to move and change. I think the only thing you can possibly take away from this in terms of like actionable things for the league is it's maybe hit the league hands out fines if teams, which they have already said they would do, you know, if a, if a team holds a player out, if there's really no true injury. So, I mean, whether or not this becomes, you know, explicitly called out in the league rules, maybe that's something the league could do to quote unquote protect players. But outside of that, there's not much the NBA could really do in terms of like, the way the media or fans react to certain players yeah. sort of kicking, you know, sort of kicking the rocks and saying, I don't, I don't really want to be here anymore. Yeah. It's just kind of like the, it's just the nature of the game, the nature of the sport. Yeah. No, I think that the point you made about the league finding guy, people or organizations for sitting players, out, I think that's really interesting too, because how does this not fall under that category? Like that's a that's a point, and I'm starting to realize that. Like, <laughs> is I it because it, is so it only like, because why? Drummond isn't like a star player, and the Cavs aren't on national television, and he's not hurting ratings that they're allowing this to happen? That that's a big double standard, kind of what you're talking about before. Huge double standard because this if this was James Harden, let's say, or even like another player, like I don't know if it was uh, Anthony Davis. If they're just sitting Anthony Davis, they'd get fined under those rules because you have to put out your most competitive team. Like that, that they're trying to encourage is competition. And if you're actively sitting one of your better players, that's not in a competitive manner. So, yeah, in that way, why aren't they getting fined? It's a great question. They should totally be getting yeah. fined. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. And to Draymond Green's point, like they should be getting fined, and maybe the league does explicitly call that out as well as like organizations shouldn't be quote unquote, you know, protecting value or or sitting guys out because they're working on a trade. Like I think yeah. that should happen. It's like once you still got to play the game of basketball. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think the the larger point is also the player themselves, right? Like they still are, you know, a guy like Andre Drummond, for example, he's still playing for his, he's still playing this year for his next year's contract. Like if he's mm-hmm. just sitting out a whole year, not really being able to develop value for himself, then, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a loose situation for him. So, yeah, I think in that aspect, I think the league, Draymond Green has a point and it is an actionable. I would see, like to see the league do something there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. At least give some explanation for how they aren't getting fined. <laughs> Whereas like, yeah, exactly the Lakers, like the Lakers would if Anthony Davis sat out a game for rest. Yeah, if, if Joel Embiid sat out today on ESPN against the Rockets, there, there would be a fine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, you're switching gears here. Big deal of forgetful. Let's run through these here. We got the first four Spurs testing positive for coronavirus, causing a postponement of games for at least one week. 
man, just the coronavirus test happening and more games being pushed out. And what that means for me is I don't think I'm going to see Luca this week at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. And we're certainly not seeing any of the Spurs. Um, this is a big deal because we were in a pretty good period where I think there were zero tests for a few or zero positive tests for a few weeks. And then I think the Drew Holiday test where he tested positive, that was the only one for a while. And now you have just this massive outbreak within the Spurs organization out of nowhere. It's still out there, man. And there's only like 4% of Americans that are vaccinated. So it's still out there. And the NBA is, is far from out of the cave. Like they, they are still, they're still in deep trouble and trying to figure out these game postponements. Yeah, this is just adds to another plethora of list of games that when when are they going to happen? When are all these postponed right. games? Nobody knows. <laughs> I think there's and, only been one, and it was oh man, it was like Charlotte and Washington. I think played one postponed game so far. I haven't seen anything else so far. I mean, it almost like does it even matter? Like even you know Charlotte versus Washington seems very right. inc- a very yeah I don't know game. Yeah, I don't know if they're ever going to play them. But yeah, this, this is a pretty big deal, man. Like <laughs> the, like the Spurs could be out 2 weeks if like it seems like this is one of the worst cases we've seen on a team. Yeah, and where is the contact tracing? I mean, the other case, I mean, the Washington Wizards lost lost 10 games, right? They lost Did they lose 10, 10 games? games? Well, I know the Grizzlies are like 7 games behind everybody. Okay, I, I think, think they the were the Wizards. worst, and the Wizards are definitely okay. up there. But like, just looking at the standings, like, yeah, I guess yeah, Washington—they're like four games behind everybody. But yeah, Memphis, okay, four... Memphis is has only played twenty-four games, whereas like the Clippers and Lakers have played thirty at this point. It might have been four ten days, is what I'm thinking. The Wizards. Oh lost. yeah, like ten days. Yeah, ten days. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I mean, with four tests, positive tests like this, I'm. T- the Spurs might might be very well looking at oh, around yeah. that, mm-hmm. if not a little bit more. Uh, how about D'Angelo Russell, man? Out four to six weeks with surgery on his left knee for the Timberwolves. This is a tough break for this oh, franchise. They cannot uh, catch a break. I mean, we I I already wrote them off last week, like, <laughs> and I I don't think that's pretty controversial to say, but falling deeper into the well here, the Timberwolves. Hey, they have the inside shot at Cade Cunningham, though. Yeah, that that is the one bright spot is that (laughs) they will at least this is a loaded draft class coming up and they're going to have the best odds for sure. Detroit will give them a run for their money. But yeah, without without D'Angelo Russell there, you just got Carl Anthony Towns back, man. They were actually going to (laughs) try to win a few games. Yeah, brutal, brutal, brutal for the Timberwolves and Mitchell Robinson suffering a fractured right hand out six to eight weeks. Mitchell Robinson has actually been kind of good, and the New York Knicks have been kind of good as well. <laughs> so tough break for Mitchell Robinson, but all that means is we're going to start seeing more nuclear Julius Randle. Oh gosh, <laughs> uh, as a top rebounder on that team, it's it, and and the New York Knicks have have still been able to pull off some good wins despite the big without the big man in the middle. Uh, so is a big deal of forgetful. I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of in the middle. It helps out Julius Randle's nah. all-star case even further. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the it might the, the Knicks might suffer a bit here 
as as they as they still hold on to the playoff spot as we still speak right now. Yeah, I mean they're gonna struggle to stay competitive. Um, New Orleans Noel being the backup center there, I'm not sure you're gonna get very similar production. And, and to rub salt in the wound for Mitchell Robinson, man, he was having a hell of a game in the first half yeah. before he got that hand injury. I think he had. 10 points, 14 rebounds in the first half of that game. Uh, he's on his way to a monster stat line, but yeah, it sucks for for the young big man. This is a guy who had a lot of promise last year, huge shop locker, putting up big numbers, and yeah, he, he was improving this year, and it's just too bad to see. It's yeah, Is it big deal or forgetful? In the grand scheme of things, it's probably forgetful. Traditional big men, you know, like – they're not like a huge centerpiece on your team anymore, but sucks. Yeah, I, I like him as a player, though. So, got feel for yeah. the guy. I feel like Robert William Mitchell Robinson is who we thought Robert Williams was going to <laughs> yeah. eventually no, become that's for actually, the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's a great that's a great comparison there. But never quite happened. Mm. How about teams that are just on fire this week? We got the Washington what? Wizards, a surprising <laughs> one, a three game win streak what? here. Russell Westbrook coming back. Davis Bertans lighting it up. Bradley Beal doing Bradley Beal things and pulling off some wins. Close one against the Rockets. You know, big one against the Celtics and against the Nuggets. Here we go. Washington Wizards. They might maybe have a glimmer of hope with the Chicago <laughs> Bulls at 12 and 15, surprisingly, holding the ninth seed right now. It, it, it's... It's it's a glimmer. It's a small spark hey, I mean, of hope. Th- this is the Eastern Conference, man. Anything's possible. I mean, they have more talented players than all, all these teams ahead of them, like Orlando. They're better than Orlando as far as talent mm-hmm. goes. Miami's questionable. But then, like, the Hawks, <laughs> yes, and the Bulls, yes. So can they get into that 10 seed at this point with a three-game win streak? They could. They really could. Like, if this is going to be kind of their thing now where like Beal's just going off every night. Russell Westbrook gets closer to triple double and they are mostly healthy now. Like they have Rui Hachimura back. Um, they have Bertans, they have Wagner, all their pieces are kind of there. So in my mind, like, like at the beginning of the year, we thought this was a tier three team. They can kind of climb back up there. I don't think they're a 500 team at this point because they've already lost so many games trying to get to this point. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but they might not have to be they might not no they definitely we... <laughs> won't have to be definitely not like th- there's only four teams in the east that are above 500 right now it's so it's so <laughs> bad like yeah just <laughs> talking about the eastern conference in general this is as bad as we've seen it like yeah <laughs> there's one thing that parody is one thing but when all the teams are just so mediocre that that is not good for the league <laughs> I, I didn't even under I didn't even know it was like mathematically possible to have that many bad records in one conference <laughs> just because of the amount of games they play against each other. Right? Like, yeah, they're all they, just yeah. losing to each they're other. All just or do they just lose to the Western Conference? Yeah, do they just lose every <laughs> single Western Conference game? Is that is that how the math plays out? Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to do a breakdown, but uh, going to the West, we got the Blazers six game winning streak. Charles Barkley's pick to make the NBA Finals. Hey. <laughs> Dude, I Damian Leonard has just been lining it up. Gary Trent Jr. is playing some good games. Carmelo Anthony, you know, a little every once in a while here. He might win player of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might. But 
Portland is still holding on to the fourth seed right now, you know, considerably the area where we call tier two teams. And I did not think I would see the Blazers as a tier two team after they lost Nurkic and CJ McCollum, but Ennis Cantor, man. Ennis Cantor yeah. loves being in a Portland <laughs> he Blazers loves jersey. Portland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, man. What a great situation for both sides. But this this run is, is incredible. It's it's astonishing. Yeah. I mean, within the midst of this, five of these games happened in seven nights on this win streak. Ooh. They won all five games in seven nights. That is beyond <laughs> impressive, man. With with a depleted roster like you're saying. Man, Damian Lillard's great, and then yeah, they're just they're just getting quality playing time from all their guys. Like Robert Covington's playing great defense. Gary Trent, yeah, filling in well. The weekend, doing awesome. <laughs> I just I just cannot get enough of the Ennis Cantor in a blazer jersey. Like, just wait till he loses one of his shoulders. Oh yeah, oh that's form that's final four, man. <laughs> that, yeah, dude. If he if they they will make the conference finals if he does dislocate his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, sinking teams. Wow, I didn't think we'd we'd have this team here, but the Milwaukee Bucks four game losing streak. Losing to the Suns, the Jazz, Raptors, and Thunder. I think we're going to keep flip-flopping between East and West. But the East, just kind of oh. looking good even at the top. The Milwaukee Bucks with, new, with no Drew Holiday here uh, due to coronavirus. But on the other side, they also lost to a <laughs> shadeless Oklahoma City Thunder team. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. Like, I can understand losing to the Suns and the Jazz and even the Raptors. But you lost yeah. to a Justin Jackson-led Oklahoma City oh, Thunder exa- team. He, <laughs> yes, he had himself quite the night that night. That's right. What the heck, man? You lost to Justin <laughs> Jackson, Kenrick Williams, Hamadou Diallo. Like, oh, man. You have Giannis on your team. How? This yeah. this is pretty bad. The Bucks just look way worse than last year when they should have improved. But, mm-hmm. man, I have to think, like, Really, at the end of the day, all they lost was Eric Bledsoe, George Hill. Anyone else meaningful? Like Kyle Korver? Doesn't really yeah. move the needle. But they're just so much worse this year. I, I don't really know why. Giannis hasn't really been as good as last year. And I, I thought Chris Middleton has been playing well, but I don't know, man. Like this, there's just something up with this team right now. They like. They don't have that same regular season groove that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that stands out is they're just not a very good road team. They're seven and nine on the road versus nine and three at home. I mean, obviously that that doesn't look very surprising during a regular time of the year, but given the fact that there's no fans, this team just isn't really traveling well right now. But I don't know. Maybe I guess Drew Holiday was really one of the pieces that held everything together at this point of the year. But yeah, these are some these are some bad losses. Yeah, you know what's uh, crazy too about the Bucks is that they actually have the second best point differential on the season, second only to the Jazz. Do you know what stands out to me about that though is just how weak that that division is, whatever it's the Atlantic <laughs> division. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're eight and zero against their division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's no surprise just to me. Blow them out and increase their point differential. <laughs> yeah, I gotta think that has something to do with it. Like they just when they right. win, they win big, <laughs> and when they they lose, you know, they lose. But 
I I gotta think that's that's gotta be stat that's padding that stat. Yeah, <laughs> that is just it's just like that stat should indicate that your team's doing really well. But yeah, they they've hit some tough spots here. It's am I worried? Are you worried about the Bucks? I'm not necessarily worried about them. It's like Giannis is it just, fully healthy at that point. It's like I, I'm not that worried. I guess it just depends where you expect to see them. If if you expect to see them in the finals and. Maybe, but I never, I don't think I see this team there. I still think yeah. it looks to me like the Eastern Conference is going to be Nets versus 76ers. Kevin Durant, I mean, he's out, but he's still, he's looking well. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's well, he's tough. healthy. He's just sitting because of the weird coronavirus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and this type of stuff happening to the Bucks just continues to, you know, solidify my thought that they're, they're headed for a second round exit again. They're so lucky they locked Giannis into that Supermax. Yeah, like he's gonna be pretty disgruntled sometime in that contract though, and that's gonna get awkward. But <laughs> they'll at least stay relevant while he's on the team. But yeah, I mean, was last season a fluke? I don't know. But yeah, this this Eastern Conference man, there's just <laughs> nothing good's happening there. There's something else other than coronavirus going around on the yeah. eastern side of this country. <laughs> Seriously, what the heck? Man, so this next team, the Kings, I, ah, this is expected. You know, yeah, <laughs> last podcast, last podcast, we gave a shout out at the top of the, of the star, you know, to Deer and Fox. That was and your the idea. Kings. I just want to say, <laughs> I don't want credit for that. <laughs> and, and I thought it was well warranted, but man, it seems like I must have jinxed Sacramento or something, but the Kings four game losing streak just, Oh, they just look awful. It's like a night and day <laughs> yeah. reflection of who they were from what, from last week and, Talk about regression to the mean. Here we go. The land, the, the Sacramento Kings allowing 125 points per game <laughs> over this losing. They're back to just being an awful defensive team, which is who we knew, but it seemed like maybe they were turning a corner here. Uh, but ha- Harrison Barnes, Sean, I know one is one of your favorite players in <laughs> <Yeah>. this league. <laughs> oh, yes. Harrison Barnes. I mean, I think the title of worst contract in the league i feel like we can give that to blake griffin or al horford at this point because at least harrison barnes is still putting in like meaningful minutes and isn't making yeah. as much as those guys and he was actually playing really well for a long stretch of this season where it might have even made me consider if he was worth his contract but thankfully before i thought about that too much he's crashed back down to earth this is the harrison barnes i know and love Averaging eight points over the last four games on thirty-three percent shooting. Yeah, that that is just abysmal. And we, I could have, yeah, anyone could have predicted this regression to the mean coming for Harrison Barnes. Like he's never been this efficient of a shooter. He's been scoring lights out on some nights, putting up thirty a game, different nights consistently too. And yeah, we're we're back to. What we what we know and love here. This yeah, this is what you should expect if you're Sacramento. You were in a, you were they, living a dream for for a few weeks. <laughs> they were just so convincing. I mean, I'm looking at you know the wins that they had uh, last week and the week before that. Like they beat the Clippers, the Nuggets, Celtics, Pelicans, Raptors. Uh, they lost a really close one to the Miami Heat. Yeah, decent teams, and then they just lose. You know the Nets without a Kevin Durant. Nets. I think Kyrie might have sat that one out too. He might have too, yeah, for back and issues. You, yeah, you lose against the Grizzlies, Magic. 76ers is a tough one, but 
I, I totally think the Grizzlies and Magic game should have been winnable for them, but mm-hmm. yeah, talk about just like really regressing to the mean again. <laughs> the Sacramento yeah. Kings, they're they're not going to make the playoffs this year. They they gave everyone the thought that it might happen. There's just there's just no way. They just need they just need a couple games to be postponed again. I yeah. mean, that, that's what kicked it all <laughs> that's off. All, that's all they can do. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I still think Jared Fox is gonna gonna get them a few wins here and there, though. But they're not getting back to five hundred. That's my prediction yeah, for this, the year. This whatever the if Harrison, I mean, if Jared Fox was on the edge of All Star or not, this might have just killed his chances yeah. right here. Yeah, I don't <laughs> see it happening. He's close though. He's very close. He's he's gonna get it very soon. Yeah. But switching gears, best performances of the week. Let's highlight some guys Ooh. here. And we got to highlight the baby Lakers here, man. Yeah, like, the baby yeah. Lakers. Imagine Lakers. if this team was still together. <laughs> They'd be loaded. Yeah, exactly. We already, we've already talked about Larry Nance. I think we, we raved about him a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago to start the year. He started off hot, but Jordan Clarkson, Ooh. I mean, we were pretty confident early on. We were like the sixth man of the year. This album maybe just nailed the, you know, <laughs> Really just nailed it into the coffin here. Yeah. 29 minutes, 13 for 28 for 13 from three, 40 point game off the bench and two steals and then big win against the 76ers. Uh, becoming one of seven players since 1983 to score 40 points off the bench multiple times. Uh, wow. Jordan Clarkson <laughs> was such a clutch trade for this team. And, and when they re-signed him, I, I was fully on board that this was the right decision. No hesitation, no doubt about it. And, uh, I think Utah's really happy. I'm sure that they made that, they made that decision. Yeah. And I'll, I'm here to eat crow in that I thought that that was a super <laughs> lame decision and that Jordan Clarkson would not move the needle for you at all. But, he won this game for them, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the first half of this Jazz Sixers game, and the Sixers didn't have Embiid this night, but they got off to this crazy start where Ben Simmons actually had a pretty record-setting first quarter. I think he had like 19 points on like 7 for 7 with like 5 assists, and it was crazy. Tobias Harris had like 16 points. And that, but like, so they were losing, I think, 24 to 10 by the time Jordan Clarkson came into the game. And he just knocked off four straight three pointers in a row. And it was ridiculous. And he got them back within, I think, seven points by the end of the first quarter. And then it was like almost tied at halftime. And then they ended up just destroying them in the second half. But it was Jordan Clarkson that was the catalyst for the comeback that early on and he just came straight off off the bench and just dominated really set the tone and yeah he's he's been doing that all season for him honestly and that that just kind of was the highlight of that kind of highlights exactly what he's been doing for this team and gosh what are they are they on a 10 game winning streak again nine game winning streak now they've won like 19 of the last 20 games dude this is yeah this is crazy yeah, and this is the, I mean, when we covered them and their win streak, we were like, February is going to be tough for this Utah team. It's going to be tough. <laughs> this is, we're going to see them regress back to the meaner. Yeah, or it we're was really tough. They lost see. one game. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we're midway through the month and they are holding on true. And Jordan Clarkson looks like he's getting better and better every week that goes by right now. And man, boy, are they happy to be riding this dude into the, into the, into the all-star break and then into the, into the playoffs, obviously. But man, 
So on the same point, though, of baby Lakers, Julius Randle, dude, 44 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 14 for 22, 7 for 13 from the three-point line. Wow. Uh, absurd numbers. Julius Randle is – I've watched a lot of New York Knicks games because I'm a huge Randle fan. Mm-hmm. There are so many times where this – where Randle saves this team and just <laughs> bails them out. Like, the, R.J. Barry, Alfred Payton, these guys make – look good at certain points, but sometimes make some god-awful decisions with the basketball. (laughs) And and Randall does... It's crazy. Randall does exactly what a star player on your team does, and it bails... And they bail you out at moments when it looks like you're about to just totally give up a game. And the New York Knicks have been bailed out by Randall a couple times, and this was one of those nights, and the Hawks were coming back hot, and Randall just totally won that game for them. And he's been doing this other times, and I'll, I'll be pretty upset if he does not become an all-star this year because I do not know of anybody more worthy of it to be a first-time all-star than, than Julius Randle this year. Oh, for sure. He earns it every night out there. And are talking about Eastern Conference Player of the Week, this is the guy that should win it. But, yes. you know, that joke is that that is a joke award, so they'll probably give it to someone <laughs> that doesn't matter. But, man, yeah, Julius Randle is such a crazy story because – at the beginning of the season, we were writing him off. Everyone was writing him off and talking about Obi Toppin was going to come in and take his job and Randall would be relegated to the bench, maybe fall into irrelevancy, which didn't seem that far-fetched. And we, he, we knew he had a good season last year, but we weren't sure if he was like the Knicks' future. Man, th- he proved everyone wrong. I mean, it, it definitely helped that Obi Toppin was hurt, at the beginning of the season, so Randall could just get a bunch of minutes. Um, Tom Thibodeau's system gives him a bunch of minutes, and he is never losing this starting position again. Like This is his for as long as he wants it. He's going to sign a max extension at the end of this contract. He earned it, and they're winning games because of him. Like you said, he's bailing them out. He's playing like an all-star player. 44 points is crazy. Exactly. And this 44 points is not a very, you know, it's not like drive to the rim, you drive to the rim, no, spin yeah. <laughs> move, Randall. This is pull up. This is fade away in three the pointers. post, drive, three-pointer, like seven seven for 13 from three, like catch and shoot or, you know, dribble. And like some of these threes were like towards the end of the shot clock without it actually being a formal play. It was just like R.J. Barrett tried to get a shot <laughs> yeah, tri- dribbling around doing kept- nothing <laughs> yeah exactly and then somehow it just ends up in randall's hand and he's just got to bail out the team and so it's impressive to see it throw down like that so yeah uh, probably easily one of my favorite players in the league this year and we saw that um, instagram post the other day that was like really outlined it i think well is that julius randall's averaging more points than anthony davis this year more rebounds mm-hmm. than joel Embiid. And then a shooting from three better than oh, I can't I can't remember who it was. It was some like really good three points here. He's averaging forty percent from three this year. So just all around, just dominating the offensive and defensive side of it with all those rebounds. Yeah, exactly. I think every every time everybody who was rooting for Randall, you know, last year couldn't help but just be like, Oh man, if only Randall would just like you know, get good at these certain things. And he has gotten better and <laughs> blown those expectations this year. Like we wanted yeah. him to be, you know, just a decent three point. Cause he was just a bad three point shooter. We want him to just be decent. Now he's, 
you know, above average three point shooter. He's above average decision maker for a big man. And I know he's knocking down his free throws as well. And he just looks calm and patient and cool headed. And he just looks like an all star, really. This um, is the guy the Lakers drafted him to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just uh, a few years next- too late. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it just it takes time. It takes time. But mm-hmm. Mason Plumley on the other side here for the Pistons, eight for twelve, seventeen points, ten and ten, triple double for what? the Pelicans That's <laughs> <laughs> against against the Pelicans. Uh, Mason Plumley, man, Mason that's that's Plumlee. what you do. You leave you leave the Nuggets and you go produce in, in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> this is such an odd triple double. It's like can they like name me give me a list of guys you think would never get a triple double in their lives. Mason Plumlee would be pretty high on that list. Yeah. I didn't know he was such a good passer. Like, did you know that he could dish assists out like this? No, I mean Mason to me looks like the prototypical, you know, catch, you know, get second chance opportunities. You get 10 to 12 rebounds every night and eight 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 points or ten points. <laughs> yeah, ten. call it a yeah. night. <laughs> Man, Jokic must have taught him something. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's honestly a lot of where this comes from is that he definitely he got to play with Jokic and learn how to pass as a big man, and Jokic does it as good as any big man. So, yeah, even though he's older than him, he got a good got a good uh, master in, in Jokic there. Yeah, exactly. Mason was the young Padawan to uh, the Master Jedi that is Yo Kick. <laughs> the, the old Padawan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Worst performance of the week. Here we go. I'm talking about another, you know, Denver Nugget here. Michael Porter Jr., 24 minutes, 0 for 8. Seven rebounds, two assists, so some production. He's got the, you know, the bad night Draymond Green stat line here. Uh, <laughs> making some impact, but a loss against the Celtics. This is what happens, Michael. Sometimes you shoot the ball and sometimes it just doesn't go in. He just has not looked very good since coming back from the COVID protocols. I, I don't think he's had one good offensive game since then. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's still feeling the effects of it, honestly. But, mm. yeah, like this is a guy like we, we'd seen him do multiple 20-point games uh, in the first few weeks of the season. So it's, it's pretty upsetting to see a guy who we know has so much promise come out here and be putting up a lot of duds honestly not just this one yeah at the beginning of the year michael porter jr was looked like the the clear second scoring option well god knows what was happening with jamal murray but <laughs> he's picking it up lately by the way yeah he yeah he is picking it up lately but look at michael porter jr was going to take that take that take that spot as a second option but yeah he he's just not he hasn't looked good as of lately uh, and then, of course, we got Harrison Barnes, 28 minutes, 2 for 8, 4.3 rebounds, and a plus-minus negative 25 in that loss Oof. against the Nets. Uh, totally impactful in, in a negative sense here for Harrison Barnes. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we already we already trashed him enough. I'll, I'll give him a little rest now, but I mean, <laughs> we just had to highlight this one. This This really accentuates what Harrison Barnes has been like over the last few weeks. <laughs> uh, talking about COVID... Jason Tatum, all back to the point on the struggling Celtics. Three for 14, six points, eight rebounds, four assists, and two turnovers in that blowout loss to the to the to uh, one of the Eastern Conference worst Washington Wizards. Jason Tatum might be on the same boat as Michael Porter Jr., just still struggling with whatever is still left in them from, from, their, COVID, from their COVID sickness. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. I mean, 
this is something where you you do worry about the long-term effects of covid like that we don't really know about still even almost a year later um because we're, we're still seeing guys they're getting fatigued from it. Their play is getting affected, and I'm sure it's, it spans not just with the NBA players, but with all all types of guys that have gotten this. So for Jason Tatum, I hope he can shake it out. He had a pretty decent game tonight against the Hawks. He had 30 points, but I think it's just something that comes and goes for him. Like sometimes he just has a crappy day. You know, his, his mm-hmm. lungs just aren't the same capacity, and he just gets fatigued a lot easier. So. He's just gonna have to to get on the conditioning, and hopefully the games can get him back in shape. But yeah, for Tatum, it's just that's that's tough, man. You're in the middle of what you're trying to probably make a first, second team All NBA at this point in your yeah. career, and so it's gonna be tough when you're we're gonna have to deal with that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the, I'm sure the compressed scheduling is just not helping them out. Oh either. yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, final thoughts to close the podcast out. This is. Finally, a year for the New York Knicks. If you've been a New York fan in search of a franchise player and <laughs> in search of a playoff spot, you found it in the most unlikely person, probably Julius Randle, man, <laughs> yes, former <sir>. Laker <laughs> on his way to potentially becoming an all-star. And we're closing the podcast out with him because we've already mentioned some things, but the man is top 10 in rebounds, number two in minutes per play, minutes per game, 11th in win shares out of the whole league. And the dude wasn't on the list as one of the top vote-getters from fans on the All-Star list. So, is there danger that Julius Randle doesn't become an All-Star? Maybe. I just hope, you know, we recognize the talent of this man. And also, I hope, and I'm sure coaching the coaches across the NBA will vote this guy in. But I think I, I will be pretty upset if I don't see Julius Randle be an All-Star this year. But I'm definitely voting for him. Well, let me, let me ask you this. How many times did you actually vote for him? I, I've only voted once. Oh. I should I should jump on and vote more though. <laughs> You're totally right. I, I should be I should be the bigger a bigger hype man and and just like tweet and retweet the yeah, crap. Put out your of put getting, your votes where votes. your mouth is, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Uh, but that's all I got to say about my boy Julius Randle. You know, let's get this man. Let's make this man yeah. an all star. No, he he earns it, man. And it's funny you call it the year of the Knicks when they're still below 500. <laughs> but I mean, hey, yeah. they'll take it. I'm sure they'll take it. And yeah, I mean, so many guys you try to get through the draft that you think are going to be your next franchise guy. It turns out being the guy that a lot of people criticized you for signing him to the deal you did. And man, it's looking like one of the smartest deals you ever made. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a value deal at this point, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Shout out to Randall. Shout out to everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to check us out week in and week out, and uh, subscribe to the NBA Second Stringers podcast. Thanks, everybody. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.